Because now she realizes that Elijah was speaking the truth to her, and that won her heart. I believe this woman is in glory right now. And this sign or miracle that Elijah performed, it confirmed the word of the Lord which he spoke to her. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. God provided for the widow on every level, not only with the miraculous supply of food, but also with the resuscitation of her son. This miracle teaches three lessons for us. First, not all illness is the direct result of sin. Second, God is in control over any hardship in our lives. And third, the purpose of these signs was to produce faith in the Word of God. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 17 in the book of 1 Kings. But you can never outgive God. And that's really what she did. She gave to Elijah. And in a sense, what she did was saying, I trust you, God. I don't even know you yet, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to give this to him because I know he's your servant. And Lord, this promise that you've given me through him, I can only hope that that's going to come to pass. And it did. It literally came to pass. And um, so the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And... um, It's interesting, we're not going to go there, but Jesus mentions this woman in this account. Um, Off to the margin of your Bible, again, right in Luke chapter 4, verses 24 through 30, because Jesus mentions this Gentile woman, this Gentile widow, what she did to Elijah, how she gave the cakes and gave everything to him out of faith. And God says, I haven't seen faith like that in Israel. And yet this Gentile widow exhibited more faith. And, and as a result of, that, of saying that, when Jesus was in the synagogue at Nazareth, they got so mad at him because God, you know, Jesus said, you know, I haven't seen so great faith. But remember that one widow up in Zarephath, how she did that? I haven't seen such great faith not even in Israel. And they got so mad at him, they were going to throw him off the, 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 the cliff in Nazareth. And Jesus was able to... Get away from them. But notice now in verse 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house, she became, or he, he became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. Yes, he died. He died. There was no breath left in him. And so 
She said to Elijah, What have I have to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to make me to come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Evidently, there was something that had happened in her life, perhaps some sin issue of her past, that caused her to believe that God was going to strike her son because of what she did. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to her husband, why was she a widow, and the details about her life, we really don't know. And he said to her, give me your son. And so he took him out of her arms, so he must have been young enough to where the mother could hold the son, and then Elijah could hold the son. And, he, and Elijah takes the young man from her and goes into the upper room, which in the houses in those days, they had uh, other rooms on top of their, uh, the, the top of their uh, place. And that's where Elijah stayed. And so he came to the upper room where he was staying, laid him on his own bed. And then he cried out to the Lord. He cried out to Jehovah. Again, whenever you see L-O-R-D in all caps, it only means one thing. It means Yahweh. It means Jehovah. So he cried out to the Lord. O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on this widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? Yes. He is, he's dead. The son is dead. And so Elijah stretched himself out on the child three times. And, and now this is something I don't really understand, but he literally laid on top of the child three times. And, and whether it was the compression of his body, the warmth, I don't know what it was. It was a miracle regardless. But he did that three times and he said, Oh Lord God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him because the soul of the child had left him Right? So the child died, right? <laughs> Why do I bring this up? Because people say, well, the child was just unconscious and somehow make this not really a miracle at all. Well, the Bible says his breath left him, his spirit left him, and God says his spirit will come back into him, and, he, and it did. So I'm either going to believe God or I'm going to believe some fancy pants at Yale who thinks he knows better than God. I'm going to choose God and not the fancy pants at Yale. Amen? Amen. Always choose God more than the fancy pants at whatever college, of any subject. Choose God's wisdom over the wisdom of man, always. Verse 22 says, Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived and this is the first recorded instance, evidently, in Scripture where somebody is restored to life. Now, it doesn't mean that he was resurrected like Jesus was resurrected. Okay, that's a whole different resurrection because when this young man was revived, it just means his, his heart began to beat and his lungs began to fill up with oxygen again and his brain began working again. But when Jesus was resurrected, three days after his death on the cross... That was a brand new, different body. Do you understand? Even Lazarus, the Lazarus, when, when Lazarus rose from the grave, when Jesus summoned him to come up, he didn't have his resurrection body either. Lazarus and this young man would have to die at some point in the future, and they would be laid into the ground and become dust. So then the woman said to Elijah, verse 24, Now by this, now here's the verse. You might want to put verse 12 off to the next of, the, of verse 24 here because remember how I said in verse 12, she said, 
and the Lord your God? Well, now look what she says. The woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. So it sounds like very obvious here that now it's the Lord. God is the Lord, her God now too, right? Because now she realizes that Elijah was speaking the truth to her and that won her heart. I believe this woman is in glory right now. And this sign or miracle that Elijah performed, it confirmed the word of the Lord which he spoke to her. And there's always something important about miracles that, you, that we have to understand is the, the miracle always comes after the word of God has been spoken. It confirms the word of God, not the other way around. And isn't that the right thing to do? I mean, if the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and if the word of God is uh, wonderful as it is, everything else has to support it, not the other way around. So, you know, the word of God doesn't support miracles. No, the miracles support, validate the word of God. The word of God is the most important thing. And so when Elijah says, your son is going to live, the miracle confirmed that. It's always that way, not the other way around. It's important to know that. So I believe that God sent Elijah to this widow in Zarephath for at least four reasons. And the first one is not only to provide uh, for, well, let me just read it. For four reasons, I believe God sent him to this woman in Zarephath, this Gentile widow. Number one, to provide for Elijah's needs. The brook dried up in the Cherith Brook, and so God says, no, I want you to go about 80 or 90 miles, go north, and then go over uh, west, over to the seashore, over to Zarephath. And a woman in Zarephath is going to provide for you there. So he brings brings him to her to provide for his needs, and also to provide miraculously flour and oil for the three of them. So now it's not just about Elijah's needs anymore, it's also about... Certainly him, but the woman and her son. And then thirdly, to encourage faith in, in, in God and salvation to the woman and her son. It's funny, God, you know, Elijah couldn't go to somebody of the Jews. They probably would have turned him in to Ahab. But no, he's got to go outside of his own country, this prophet. Prophet is not accepted, except, you know, not even in his own country. So he's got to go out, outside, and then he's accepted. And the same thing happens here, like happened to Jesus. He goes up there, and he encourages the faith of this woman. And fourthly, to be there when her son became ill and died. Because whether Elijah was there or not, that young man would have fallen sick and, got, and died anyway. And can you see God's providence and how he ministered to this woman? I think she got the better end of the deal. Think about it. The flour and the oil never ceased during that drought. Her son gets brought back to life. Her faith in God is, uh, is brand new, and now she knows who he is. And all she had to do, all she had to do is step out in faith and say, Okay, I'm going to give you these two cakes, or however many they were, and that's all we got. But you know what? I believe you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I'm willing to give this God of Israel a try. So she gives him the cakes. And do you realize that was her part? And look what she got in result. 
I love that, don't you? And uh, there was a verse that I wanted to read to you earlier. And we'll end with this, and then we'll take communion together. Speaking that you can't outgive God, God reprimanded the people of Israel because of their lack in tithes and offerings. And there was a time in Malachi where God kind of brought them to task with it because they began to think about their own selves and they stopped giving to the Lord. And so, it's, and so God speaks to them through the prophet Malachi, and it's in Malachi 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And this is God speaking. But you say, In what way have we robbed you, God? And then he replies, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And here is the verse I really wanted to get to. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out upon you such blessing that there will not be room enough to save it. If you give to me, I will pour out for you a blessing much greater. And isn't that what we saw in this woman? All she had to do was give the cakes, something very simple. She had to exercise faith, no doubt. And her life was on the line, her and her son, but she was willing to give it to the Lord and trust him. And I think that's a real great message for us today, especially in the world that we're living in. Be careful what you watch on YouTube. There's all kinds of nuts out there telling you that the world, you know, just be really careful. God is going to take care of you. Trust him more than anything. But notice what God says. And, and didn't she benefit from this verse? Didn't God fulfill the spirit behind what he just said here in Malachi? See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. They had plenty of food for that time. Her son was brought back to life. She was, salvation came into her life. She was now a child of God and her son. Believers now. She got so much more than what she invested in. She gave a little and God gave her a great deal amount more. And I've noticed that in my own life. And I've got to be honest with you, it just brings me to tears sometimes. He hasn't changed. He's true to his word. And you don't know it until you experience it. And many of you have experienced it. And be encouraged in that because God is a great God. He's an awesome God. He loves you so much. He just wants you to trust him more than we do. He wants us to give to him our whole hearts. I don't think he really cares about the money, okay? I know that in context here, when in Malachi, it was talking about tithes and offerings, but I'm not here to lay some trip on you. I'm just saying that sometimes I can be so stingy and, and, and not really be a, a giving person. And it doesn't necessarily have to be money either. It could be of my time, of, of being able to, to take time out of my life and minister to somebody else, to help somebody, maybe even give them some money if, if they're really having a hard time. Time. Uh, you know, within reason, of course, you've got to be careful about these things. But to help somebody. And he's always been faithful. 
I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in so many other people's lives. You know what? We serve a God that is just outstanding. Isn't he outstanding? Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) He's an awesome God, and he's never going to cease because he cannot change. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way he was here is the way he'll be three months from now. Whatever happens in our country, he is going to be there, and he is going to take care of us. And we, all we have to do is trust him and obey him and love him and worship him. Worship him who made heavens and the earth. Worship him who called all things into existence. We serve a great and loving God. Be encouraged. Be encouraged and love him with all of your heart. Get lost in him. Let's do that. Let's get lost in him and learn to trust him again. You know, you think about the communion, and when we take communion, it's something that we, uh, it's very easy to, to do and just kind of go through the rote of it, you know. But, you know, you, you think about the one that we're having communion with, we're communing with, with God. And, and when we take this bread and cup, we are coming into agreement that what he did on the cross was sufficient. Because we ought not to take communion unless we believe that Jesus' blood was sufficient to pay for my sin and, and that it was, it was sufficient enough to save my soul. If I don't believe that, then I shouldn't take this. Because really what it is is hypocrisy. For me to take this and what these symbols mean, that's all they are, are symbols. For me to take it, without the understanding of what it is, what it signifies is really doesn't do us any good. But for those of us who are here, and I look out at your faces, I know you. We've been fellowshipping for years. And what a blessing it is that we have Jesus in common. We may be a different skin color. We may have different demographics. We may... Some may be really wealthy, some not so much. We've got everything in between and every, everything you can name it. And I love the diversity that we have in this fellowship. It doesn't matter what country we came from. We are all one human race. But we can gather together like this and we have the greatest thing in common. The world has nothing in common. Satan and his hordes of demons, they have nothing other than chaos. Wherever they go, they bring chaos. But yet here in the church of God, we have one head and we fall in line under that one and I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was sufficient I believe his body was broken just as he said it was it was broken for us on our behalf so that we wouldn't be broken he took the full brunt of that and it wasn't even just so much the the physical beating anybody can be physically beat to death No, but it's what nobody could see. Because when he gave his body and when he gave his blood on the cross, these tokens that they represent, what nobody could see was what was happening. The reality of what was really happening. And that was the very Son of God, God in the flesh, was making an atonement of his perfect blood in exchange for me. You can't see that. While he hung there on the cross, all bloodied and beaten, nobody could see that. But when he says, Father, it is finished. (laughs) And when he said it is finished, he literally meant it. 
And then he, he dismissed his spirit. He was in control from the very beginning. He was no martyr. But yet the Father, God the Father, rejected his son for a, a moment, for a time. We don't know how long that was, but he turned away from him. Something Jesus has never experienced before. That, my friends, is the most significant part of the crucifixion was the fact that his soul was made in atonement. Not his, you know, just the fact that he was beaten. I mean, that was part of it, don't get me wrong. But the real thing that happened was that he made his soul in atonement for us. And that alone is what saves us. By believing in him, we believe in that. And so that's why we take the bread and the cup. So let's take the bread together. Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. And then he took the cup and he passed it around. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Take, drink of it. So let's do that. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, 3, or 1 Corinthians 11, I believe it is. He said, we do this. To remember the Lord's death until he comes. And I don't know about you, but I'm hoping he comes very soon. Any time now. Any time. Lord, would you come now? There is nothing in my life that I want more than to see Jesus face to face. There's nothing. I'm being honest with you. Seeing my daughter and walking her down the aisle someday is the dream of every father. You know, to be able to take my daughter's hand and lead her down to the aisle to the man she's going to marry, whoever, you know. All those are good things, and they are. They're really good things. But nothing compares to seeing Christ. And I would encourage you just to really get your head around that and love it. Because, folks, he, when we see him, Everything else is going to fade away. It'll be like a distant memory. It doesn't mean that the things here are good and they're not loving and they're wonderful. They are. But in comparison to what we're going to experience is incredibly glorious. I don't even know a fraction of the reality of that, but I'm looking forward to it because I know it's real and I know it's coming. Do you believe that? Let's stand. Lord, we thank you that we can believe in these, uh, these things because, Lord, you have died to secure heaven for us, that where you are, we might also be. Lord, we look forward to that. We can't wait to see you. And Lord, as we consider what we read tonight in uh, the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, Lord, and the, the, the step of faith this widow woman took, Lord, and and what she received on the other end was many times over what she had given, Lord. Help us to never misunderstand and help us never to forsake sacrifice. Help us not to forsake sacrifice. Because we know at the center of worship is sacrifice. So we thank you. Pray that you'd encourage us in it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.